Hello, every loving one of you. This is Digging Through. I'm Jesse Alvarez. I'm a literary, arty, culturally omnivorous weirdo who splits her time between New York and New Jersey. Today, we have a special show. We're featuring our first storyteller. Stay tuned to the end of the reading to learn how you too can submit work to our storyteller series. Judge by Zuzana Nafiminska. Short of shoes, the judge was fully dressed when he stood in front of the full-length mirror, fixing his bow tie and thanking his colleagues on the Supreme Court, the line still not one to roll off his tongue. Then Elaine barged through the door, grabbed his hand, and led him out of the carpeted room, down the wood-paneled hallway and across the marble foyer, where the pianist played loud jazz, and the guests whispered, Have you seen? What's this? Without shoes! She was still holding his hand when they walked out the door and out the crooked front steps, and across the driveway covered with tiny stones that parted under the judge's feet, sucking him in. The ground was chilly, and the judge's socks became wet. He fretted he might be bleeding. Where's the fire? The judge said, pulling Elaine's hand to stop her, or at the very least to make her explain. This was an important evening, with important people, and his speech, such important speech, was not where it needed to be. And yet, this woman dragged him, barefoot, out of his prep room, just minutes before his career's crowning appearance. Come, come, quick, she said without turning. She moved even faster now across the lawn and between shrubs. They were in the palace gardens, Judge could tell by the smell, though it was dark, so where they were, exactly, made barely any difference. The commotion of the foyer was so far away, it might have been on another night. They were all the way by the tennis courts, where the midget lanterns dispersed the night along a narrow path. She leapt over them and landed on uncut grass. She took him another few steps, to the orchard redolent of apple blossoms, that joined in a little arch, and where, he could tell, on nights of lesser glamour, people of lesser importance came looking for privacy. Look! Finally she spoke, pointing at the sky, her chest, chest rising and falling, her cheeks and necks flushed. What? the judge said, fixed, as if about to rule on whether she was beautiful. The moon, she said. Look at the moon. All this for some moon? Oh, but he could have twisted her neck. He could have jerked the little stick and then he'd just go back to his speech and his shoes. What was this nonsense? They'd been seeing each other for nearly a year. She looked half his age, though she wasn't. She wasn't while his acquaintances kept saying, Hey, Judge, should we learn the name of this one? Did you let her in the car yet? You have to tell us. If you let her in the car, we don't want to get attached. They thought it was curious when he reminded them that the name was Elaine, that he let her to the car in due time, and that, truthfully, he was considering selling the car, so the significance they attached to its role was miscalculated, his reluctance to grant access more to do with the car's resale value than the judge's state of heart. But now, he was glad he'd kept her out of the car. It was his favorite car. That much he knew. But whether she should remain his favorite woman, 
of that. He was unsure. Look at the moon, she said and squeezed the judge's face with such ferocity his lips parted and he was sure her thumb and index finger would leave a mark. How he'd cover it up? He didn't have time to think, as she pushed his head up so violently, he thought his neck would snap, and though a part of him felt he couldn't really blame her, when he finally looked up, he made sure she couldn't mistake it for acquiescence. She let go of his face. It's the moon, the judge said. I've seen the moon before. I've seen the moon a million times. This is not even a special moon. Slightly rounder than yesterday, less round than tomorrow, he said and turned to head back. He had to tie the stupid tie and put on his shoes before anyone snapped a photo. He now also had to change his socks, and he hadn't brought a spare, not to mention his face. His face? What of his face? He wondered, touching the skin still sore from Elaine's grip. But she cut him off. She turned him back toward the moon and then grabbed the ends of his tie. You've seen the moon a million times. All right. What does it taste like? What? the judge said. What does it have to do with anything? I don't have time for this. I'm about to thank my colleagues on the Supreme Court. The judge kept talking, but Elaine cut him off. I think it tastes like flour, she said, working on the tie. Flour, the judge said. This is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard, he said. Then, in spite of himself, he continued. Everybody knows the moon doesn't taste like flour. Not even flour tastes like flour. The moon tastes of cinnamon and salt. Please, Elaine, everybody knows this, he said. Cinnamon and salt, you say? Yes, the salt melts around the edges of the tongue and the cinnamon hits the back of the throat like a sunstorm. Where this had come from, he had no idea. But he felt he'd dug himself into a hole and the only way out of this was, well... To keep digging. And then what? You have to cough. She laughed a little. It made him broader. What does the moon feel like? When you lick it, what does it feel like? He tucked his hands into the pockets of his tux, threw his head back and sighed. His eyes were closed when he said, It's porous. Like a piece of lava but the edges of the craters are like micro-desert roses. You can feel them with your finger, you really can. And then when you lick them, it's like that Dutch ice cream. Remember Amsterdam? They mix it with whipped cream and you said it was like half the scoop was missing. And the cinnamon? She said, tugging at the tie and straightening it. You have to leave your tongue out until it sticks. Like on a skiing lift. She giggled. The moon can make your tongue fall out, can it? The safety bar can, which you know all about. You, Elaine, I swear without me. She pinched him. He continued. The moon can't make your tongue fall off. When you stick your tongue to the moon, it feels rocky to begin with. And then, then the craters dissolve. And your mouth fills with crystals. And then they turn to foam. And you have to move your tongue around because it's really weird. It settles after a while, and that's when the soul spreads along the edge of your tongue, from back left to back right. And then, just when you think it's all done, the cinnamon hits the back of your throat and you have to cough, he said. She smiled. She was done with the tie and she put her fingertips on his collarbones. 
her hands were warm, and he searched for whatever other gustatory experiences the dungeon of his mind mysteriously associated with the moon. In the corner of his eye, he saw a flash. Judge, the voice called. Judge, are you here, please? They're ready for you, Elaine said and brushed invisible dust from his lapels. He was tall enough to see the parting in her hair. It was lined with a few silver strands that would have matched well the interior of his car. He wanted to run his finger along one of them, but it might have just been delight. Judge, please, it's time, he heard again. Elaine stepped aside and clasped her hands behind her back before she called, Over here! She looked straight at him as they listened to the footsteps walking up the poorly lit pathway, stepping over the midget and then landing on uncut grass, while the flashes of light hit spots around them like a broken lamp from the parties the judge had always wished he'd attended. When the man reached them, he shone the flashlight of the judge's black patterned shoes, which he held by the laces in his other hand. The judge snatched them from him, horrified by the ease with which this man broke the well-established rule of never touching another man's dress shoes. No tip for him, he thought, examining the shoes for fingerprints when Elaine said, Good luck, judge. She bowed at him and at the man with the flashlight, and then left just as the judge was about to remind her his name. Instead, he watched her walk away. The night caught in her taffeta dress, swaying softly around her hips, like a field of tall grass, combed by summer air. Judge, the man said. Please, he said and pointed at his watch. The judge put his shoes on the ground, and the man got the shoehorn out of his pocket. The judge took it and leaned against the bark of the apple tree. He slid his feet inside one at a time, surprised by the cold. It was the socks. He'd forgotten all about the socks, and now his feet were wrapped in wet towels and buried in tied tombs. He checked his pockets. At least he still had his flashcards. He refused to think of his face. Ready? the man said. I'll be down in a minute the judge said, knowing that the man rolled his eyes before he took the shoehorn and left. Alone, the judge looked at his speech soaked in moonlight. He still could influently thank his colleagues on the Supreme Court, but maybe he could do without it. This being a celebration of his career, his scholarship, his judgment. He turned to the moon. How stupid the law was, really. A set of rules and codes, all mostly out of date, leaving no room for innovation. He loved it, dearly. But he knew it so well. He understood how much more useful it could be if, well, really, if only it weren't what it was. Forty years he spent on the bench. He had little, except a collection of vintage cars. One of them a favorite he would drive to the countryside occasionally in the company of a very carefully selected woman. All his colleagues were always very interested in this car, though they never made it near. Elaine never asked about the car. Elaine will look great in the car. He should thank his colleagues.
He closed his eyes. His mouth was now full of crystals and he saw the dress that trapped the night and the great strands that lined the parting. Elaine was a master of bow ties, but she called him Judge. She insisted on calling him Judge, and he hated when she called him Judge. Everyone else, fine, but Elaine? Elaine said that word with a lisp, but it made a horrible sound in her mouth. He coughed. The damn moon. He laughed with his back against the bark, his feet in tight tombs, a cinnamon storm ensuing in his mouth. Finally... He was young. Oh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. You can read more of Susanna's work at Other Stories, Coil Magazine, and other publications. She's the creator of Project Neighbor, a series of interviews with people from around the world about diversity and creating a world fit for purpose. You can find out more at projectneighbors.com. That's project, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R-S.com. If you would like for us to consider one of your pieces to feature in the Storyteller series, please email me at editor at diggingpress.com a query, and I'll send you some instructions on how to do that. Remember to subscribe to our podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow me at jessediggsyou on Twitter and Instagram. As always, love, respect, and flowers. Until next time.